Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 26th episode of the Pulling Tar Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Make sure you share this podcast with your friends on all forms of social media. Subscribe and drop a rating. Give me a follow on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N to share all your thoughts and comments. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Kaylee Golden. Kaylee is currently a free agent in the sports world and MILB. Up until COVID-19, she had worked with the Quad Cities River Bandits in the role as the community relations and fan engagement manager before being promoted to the director of marketing and community relations. Can't wait to talk with Kaylee Golden right after this break. Welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to chat with me. First question, how's the house training going? (laughs) So she actually has been really good with house training. Um, When we first got her, though, she was on steroids for this, like, of course, rare genetic face, basically like dog acne, and of course, there's 12 puppies. Mine's the only one that gets it. Right. Uh, so she was on steroids, and so she was, like, peeing like crazy. So she's finally off those, and we've had no accidents. And she's been really good about it. I mean, she's smart. It, it's almost a bad thing how smart she is. Yeah. I remember um, trying to house train my dog, and I before we started recording, I, said, I told you that he's, like, a beagle-terrier mix, and... Um, and I didn't know this beforehand, but apparently beagles are very hard to train in general, but house house train especially. Um, so that was that was difficult. But um, yeah, my my little guy he uh, came home from the SPCA with kennel cough, so so he was on meds for that too, and he was. He, I think he was eight weeks old when when we got him from the SPCA. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what what's your dog's name? Uh, Jojo. Jojo. She's yeah, chocolate she's... lab. Mhm. All right. Very cute. She's about three months old. So okay. She's a little Spitfire, but yeah, we we love her. She's been definitely keeping me busy during my doing my new free time that I have. Yeah, yeah. So I did see, yeah, you, that's what you said on Twitter. You're like, well, since I get, got let go because of COVID, it gave me an excuse to get a puppy. So Exactly. Hey. Might as well take it while I have the time and get her all trained and ready for when hopefully things get back to normal. Absolutely, absolutely. So like, like we said, unfortunately you were let go because of, COVID-19, what have you used this newfound time to do or work on besides house training? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, I uh, have kind of taken the time to, first took like a week or two to kind of give myself some time to kind of process everything and Mm -hmm. kind of figure out, you know, what I wanted to do next and then uh, moved back home to my hometown area and uh, actually had, you know, someone tell me that they were looking for an assistant volleyball coach at my old high school. And I played for, you know, most of my life and recreationally after high school and such. Um, so I ended up applying and getting hired. So I'm going to be coaching high school volleyball. But um, with all the restrictions now in sports, that, that'll be interesting um, looking forward as well. But, you know, in terms of things that I've been doing, just kind of learn um i've been doing a lot of procreate art uh kind of illustrations and drawn wow uh, learning that on the ipad and then um 
I'm looking into learning more Adobe products. Uh, I would like to, you know, dive deep into that, but it's just taking everything in me to, you know, pay the money to, uh, you know, get the laptop that's, you know, properly suited for it and, and work on all that. So I'm going to get to that point eventually. I just got to talk myself into it enough. Sure, sure. Yeah, when I got out of baseball, um, of course, the laptop I had belonged to the team, and I wanted to continue to do some Photoshop work, um, you know, and to, for local businesses. And then I wanted to start this podcast as well. So basically, I studied. So I'm in insurance now, and I studied for my insurance exams. And you get a bonus when you, if you pass them within 30 days. And so I just studied my ass off, and I I bought this laptop and this microphone, um, and I ended up passing within the thirty days. But that's yeah, I I get it. So, but yes, you can uh, get Photoshop for nine dollars a month, if that's, and I think that comes with a bunch of other Adobe uh, products yeah, as well. A, I did a lot of it at work and stuff yeah. but you know we had a graphic designer on staff so he did much more than I did but sure. you know I dabbled here and there and did some stuff and it's obviously a good skill to have yeah. regardless of whether you're in sports or not so right. just trying to talk myself into doing it yeah yeah nine dollars a month for like the basic plans aren't terrible but no not too bad I'll have to maybe look into it a little bit more sure sure so Besides coaching volleyball, what's your next step professionally? Um, so, I mean, obviously right now sports is just a giant question mark. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. At the profession, at the, excuse me, at the major level, um, obviously you see the NBA starting tonight in the mm-hmm. bubble and um, NHL is back and you see MLB is trying and, um, everything else so uh i mean i think right now it's just the sports world is at a standstill and you know you might be able to find a job here and there but uh i kind of come to terms with the fact that it might not be a while if ever i get the chance to get back into the sports world Mm -hmm. um i would love to i loved my time in it i was i really enjoyed it i felt like i was good at it um but (laughs) it's kind of you know one of those things where it's like can I afford to wait until there's an opportunity or do I need to figure something out? Um, so, you know, I've been applying and looking around at just marketing jobs in general, mm-hmm. uh, community relations positions um, around, you know, Illinois, central Illinois, trying to find something around here if possible, just kind of, you know, lessen the, the burdens of, of that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I would love to be back in sports. Um, right. If it does if it doesn't happen, then I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time doing it, and you know, what's meant to be will happen. So um, we'll see. But I'm still definitely looking in that world and hoping that something might come up. But absolutely, and I did. So, like you said, you're going to be um, coaching volleyball in the spring. And when I, when I searched your name on Google, your huddle page came up on. Uh, on, okay, uh, so do you want anything funny? Sure. I don't think that's me. <laughs> uh, everything. I think it was you because I think it was the really? same. I think it was the same high school that you went to, and were you class of two thousand six? Not two thousand sixteen, but uh, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I don't. I've it, never made one, so. I don't know. It, it, there wasn't much activity on it, but you were listed at five three, and okay. Well, then apparently someone made one. I don't know who it was, but um, <laughs> I was thinking. I was like, every volleyball player I've met have have been like kind of tall. So like, and I, I but I'm not to the back row. Okay, <laughs> I'm not familiar with volleyball by any means. Yeah. But but okay, so so there are a couple spots for for five mm-hmm. five and under. Okay. Basically, yeah, it's basically the people that are in the back row, and you know they're called defensive specialists. Basically, you just get all the spikes and stuff are slammed at you, and you're the ones kind of 
setting it up for your hitters to to send it over to the other side. So. Okay, but do you have to Some rotate? People, yeah, you you do, but um, you can switch out. Um, oh. With obviously people who are more suited to be on. I see. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's like subbing, but kind of different than you, know, you would see in basketball or. Okay. All right. Yeah, and where I grew up in Pennsylvania, they didn't have like high school volleyball. So, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know why, but so so well, I'm not you probably had like some sports that I've never even you know thought of before. Um maybe. But I have a friend who played a high school like how was it? Water polo or something along those uh, lines and I was like no. that is a distant yeah, no, I I never even saw that happen, <laughs> besides on TV, but... I feel like it's an East Coast thing, so maybe just not, maybe it's not just Pennsylvania. Yeah, like in, in like, bigger cities, maybe, like, private, private schools and stuff like that, but, um, I did want to touch on this, so, like, we were talking about your next step professionally, and so you've been working in sports ever since you got out of college and primarily you work with mostly men i'm mm-hmm. i'm assuming right uh yeah largely okay can you give me some tips because now i went from working with all with mostly all men um mm-hmm. and now i am the only man in my office i work with all women now <laughs> Do you have any words of advice? I mean, you love to see it. Uh, a female-dominated office is rare. But, um, I mean, in my time, I was lucky where I always had at least two to three female co-workers. Um, so that was always nice to have someone there. But obviously, you know, when you're in a male-dominated industry there's kind of an unspoken need for you to earn other people's respect. Sure. Whereas if another male walks into a room, they automatically assume that they know what they're talking about because they're working in sports, so mm-hmm. they're guys. But um, okay. it's yeah. kind of an assumption where I have to, you would have to earn people's respect, and I think the same thing goes like, even if you are in a female-dominated office, it's, you know, these people know what they're talking about. You give them the respect that they deserve and you would give to anyone else and I think that's one of the hardest things that that I faced in it and I think it's probably crazy different for you to be on the other side of the you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the differences um oh gosh yeah I mean it's like it's probably like having a bunch of work moms and sisters and stuff yeah they're probably get fed pretty well no well some yeah yeah I would say so but yeah they're all I would say 35 and older and I'm so I'm the youngest one um they they all have kids I don't have any besides Bo which so when you're with the River Bandits can you describe what your duties both were during the season and in the off season yeah um so during the season, obviously, times are a little bit busier, so mm-hmm. I handled all of our social media channels, um, content creation, and just general upkeep. So TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff was me behind that Twitter. Um, and then also handled our website management, uh, which was uh, a new skill for me and, and took a lot to learn. And on top of that, you know, I did all of our community relations. So donation requests, community appearances, all the charitable endeavors that we did, uh, including our Band of Scholars program and the 5K that we do each year to benefit that. Uh, That was all under my umbrella of getting organized. And then a little bit of sales on top of that, too. So um, group sales. And then this past season, that was kind of lessened a little bit to give me some time to be able to do more of what... I was intended to do, and um, I was just selling birthday parties and such, but, okay, you know, you know well, I'm sure, that in minor league baseball, you're going to do a little bit of everything. <laughs> Absolutely. You have a job description, but that last bullet that says, and other duties as assigned, 
is probably the most important bullet of a minor league baseball Bingo. job description because yep. you're going to be doing so many things you never dreamed of, but um, it's just an array of responsibilities, but those were, you know, my intended responsibilities. Okay. Okay, yeah, uh, in minor league baseball, you do a little bit of everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, oh gosh. And I was in Beloit, so that was even more, like, prominent. Like, we only had, mm-hmm. like, I think my last year there, we had four full-time staff members. Oh, so, um, yeah, things were a little bit difficult. But even though I was director of media relations and marketing... I was stocking shelves at 2.30 in the morning um, in the concession stands. Yeah. Minor League Baseball is rough, but um, it is is great nonetheless. I mean, the... It's a... It's an environment that makes you feel like, you know, everyone in the office is like your family. It's a very welcoming kind of environment, and it's because you spend a million hours with these people. You have to you know, come to that relationship where it's like, you know, we're going to see each other 20 hours a day sometimes. Right. Like, we're basically going to be a family. Like, let's just knock this out and, and have fun doing it. Exactly. And you you and I both grew up playing team sports, obviously. And working in minor league baseball is the closest thing to that team aspect. Um, as an adult, oh, at least. Yeah. So... Um, so you said you were in charge of a lot of social media. Um, number one, TikTok. I'm, I haven't gotten into it. Um, I made the Delmarva Shorebirds a TikTok, like, the week before I left. Um, but I, you know, handed it off, clearly, um, to somebody else in the front office. But, like, what like go into de- detail about TikTok? I m- my fiance shows me like videos and stuff all the time. I do not have the app. I don't have TikTok at all. But like, kind of kind of go into it from like a marketing standpoint, I guess. I mean, honestly, we just dove deep into it. It just became a big thing, obviously, end of twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. where you know branded accounts started getting on it and and utilizing it to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, before I before I left, I really still hadn't gotten a hundred percent of how to use it to the best ability because it is kind of a giant question mark. It's yeah, you know, one hundred percent based on getting in the trend that's currently going on. And if you're not quick enough or if you're too soon or too late, then you're not going to end up on someone's for you page, which yeah. is basically like the home screen page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of a, it's kind of a hope and a shot in the dark that people will like what you put out there. I mean, the TikTok that I put the, the absolute least amount of effort into, like it was just a video of one of our pictures from the year before you know, crossing the street wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and, you know, getting ready to get in the bus for a playoff game. And I put uh, whatever that popular song was with a... It's one of... Now I can't remember it. Uh, Is it... Um... Oh, uh... Old Town Road. Yeah, yeah, Old Town That's what I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Or something like that um, in the background. And it got, like, 40,000 views and had, like, you know, 16,000 likes or something ridiculous. And I put no effort into it. And it was, like, I... And then the ones that you put a significant amount of effort in would get, like, six views and, you know, two likes or something. And it's... It's just a wild concept, and I know that there's a lot of people out that I see on Twitter who I follow in the sports community who are starting to kind of figure out the pattern, but, I mean, it's a big guessing game. You just want to get on a trend as soon as you can and yeah. hope that you get it in front of some people and they like it, which will put it on other people's For You page, and, you know, hopefully they follow you, but it's... To me, it's hard because TikTok is obviously a much younger audience, Yes. So it's like there's only so much that you can market to them that is going to be worth your time. Yeah. You want them to get your attention. You want to encourage them to follow you on other platforms so that, you know, 
they'll see your stuff on Twitter or Instagram and, and maybe, you know, buy a piece of merchandise or something. Right, right, but for sure. It's a much harder marketing game when it comes to TikTok because, you know, those are, you know, 12 to 22-year-olds. They're not going to have the money to spend on a group outing or something and they're not looking for it. But you're hoping, you know, somehow that crosses path with them either down the road or with their parents or siblings or something that have that power. And mm-hmm. TikTok isn't necessarily the best avenue for that, but it is a lot of fun. And if it if you do get one that goes viral, I mean, TikTok ends up on every other social media platform that yes. you're on. So yep. it can turn into marketing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, without you having to necessarily make separate content for that. Okay. I can appreciate that for sure. Kind of makes your job a little bit easier. A little bit, yeah, but it's still, uh, I think people are still really learning how to use it and what it's going to be yeah. in the long run, whether it's just a fad or whether it's going to be, you know, Twitter's turned into such a huge thing now, and well with Instagram, so. Yeah. It used to be just Facebook. Everyone was all about just getting on Facebook and, and putting all their stuff there, and now it's become such a cross-channel mm-hmm. um, activation that, you know, you got to be on top of everything, but also know where it's best to devote your time and potentially your money yeah. to spend on advertising. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So, what's the weirdest comment or message you've received while running the River Bandit social media accounts? Um, so, I mean, I guess it's more of an overarching thing for me is... Obviously, the River Bandits are, or um, not obviously, but the River Bandits are the low-A affiliate of the Houston Astros. Mm-hmm. So, um, everyone's favorite team right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Especially Joe Kelly's. When, oh, God. That, okay. We can come back to that, but... Um, Go for it. Go for it. I, there's so many great guys that I've met that played in the Astros system, and none of them were on a team in 2017, and... I know that there's a lot of great coaches in this system with good morals and everything and you know whatever it happened it happened yeah but joe kelly played for the river bandits back in the day and um we actually just did a bobblehead of him in 2019 and we i love him i've always liked him but it it was like seeing two worlds collide when that happens it's like excuse me it's like you know, you get the Astros here and you want to you wanna be like, okay, don't throw people's heads, but it's also like that was something that people have been waiting to see since this all broke in October of 2019. Yeah. Like, it was just one of those moments that's going to go down in history. I loved it. I yeah. hate that, you know, someone had to be thr- I wish that he would have just mocked him and not maybe thrown at him, but like, right. it's, it is what it is, and you know, people are rightfully angry about it. But <laughs> anyway, um... So we are an after affiliate, and so when the news broke about, you know, this officially being a thing that, you know, electronic sign stealing, et cetera, people just were going nuts. And it was like, coming for the Astros wasn't just good enough at the major league level. It was at every level of the system. People were just roasting us. And I was like, there was so many times where I had to explain to people how minor league, the minor league system works. Sure. <laughs> These players that you see that were on the team in 2017 were 100% not at low A level mm-hmm. with us in 2017. And the only exception being we had two rehabbers in 2017, actually. Um, yeah. Alan Moran and Evan Gaddis were both with us in 2017 for yep. a short stint because um, we were the only Astros team still in, yep. uh, still playing. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, people were just like, coming onto our social media channels and we couldn't even comment something on another team's picture like like even just something funny and sarcastic and they'd be like oh of course you'd think that you trash can banger and it was constant constantly like the trash can jokes like and when we released our promo schedule for this season or what would have been this season um it was like every comment was like oh you're gonna have a giveaway at trash can night and like all this stuff and it's like you know, if we were an Astros affiliate, yeah, maybe we would embrace that. But like, we uh, we need them and they need us, and yeah. this is a professional relationship. Yeah. You know, 
There's only so much we can do and so much we can say. And eventually it got to the point where after, you know, things started to settle down and it was clear that we'd made it clear, obviously, that we don't condone cheating or anything and that, you know, that doesn't reflect on our organization as its own. Eventually I just started getting into it and I just started playing, like, just messing with people. <laughs> like, oh, you've been you bang trash cans and I'd send back like a meme of like Spongebob like mocking them or whatever it was like eventually you just kind of have to give them some crap back right they'll appreciate that and be like all right like good one and it got a little more fun then but when it first started it was stressful like when the news first broke it was like messages about how are we cheaters? Are, or did you assist in the cheating? Are your coaches cheating? Did your staff know about it? And it was just a constant right. rating. And I was like, holy cow, I did not sign up for this. No. I mean, we just came off a season with the worst flood in Quad City history. And then I finally get a chance to breathe. It's like, oh, sorry, your major league affiliate is cheating yeah so have fun with this social media storm yeah we're gonna get into the flood aspect um later on in the episode but um so i did want to ask your thoughts about this um so what are your thoughts on mlb potentially getting rid of 40 minor league teams um and quad cities is on that list so, yeah, what are your thoughts about that? Um, the team that I grew up going to, um, I had my first beer there. I interned there. Um, that's where I got my start in baseball, the Williamsport Crosscutters. They're on the list as well. So, um, obviously, that hits close to home for me. Um, but, yeah, I just want to know what your thoughts are and um, how that would affect the Quad Cities. I mean, um Obviously, I mean, going off of Williamsport, uh, I know Gabe. Oh, okay. Uh, He's very – I've talked to him several times. He's a really good guy. Yeah. So my hurts for for him in that organization. But, um, you know, it's sad. It's, it's, you know, you wonder why this is something that is going to happen when MLB is complaining about not having young fans, not getting a new fan base, their fan base not being replenished. And you would think that what they would want to do is have access to, give access to people to professional baseball, you know, around the country. And they're basically going to decimate that for areas that have no access otherwise to Mm -hmm. professional baseball aside from what they see on TV and you know, especially here in Iowa, or not Iowa anymore, but in Iowa, they're trying to get rid of, you know, Clinton, Quad Cities, and... Um, Burlington? Burlington, mm-hmm. and, you know, Iowa doesn't have a major league team, and yet here they are building this giant stadium at the Field of Dreams site and bringing major league baseball there. It's like, how dare you? You're dancing right. on the grave of these teams that are going to be losing their livelihood, their communities are going to be losing jobs. They're going to lose access to source and then you're going to question why the love of baseball has gone down. There's right. there's no reason to question it. We can see it right in front of us. Um, and, you know, when it comes to Quad Cities being on the list, I don't really know where that stands. When I left, it was being said to me adamantly that we were not on the list. Beloit was. But now Beloit's building that new stadium, mm-hmm. so I don't know what's changed since I left and it was just consistently a huge drama back and forth and honestly exhausting because you know we were on the list we weren't we were on it we weren't right and so I mean I don't know what's changed since then but it would be devastating to the Quad Cities because I mean just from my position alone when I worked there we gave back over $500,000 to the community every single year and absolutely charitable aspect of it and Mm -hmm. then also just the the jobs the part-time jobs I mean we have people that work in the concessions and you know yeah any experiences for people I mean these kids that come with their baseball teams and you know get to see the next generation of players those are memories that last them forever and it's sad to think that they wouldn't have it anymore at the same capacity I mean granted this dream league or whatever sure. is proposing to me sounds like a nightmare yeah but it's just it, it would be devastating for the community in the Quad Cities but also you know across the country there's so many people who are going to lose their jobs part-time and full-time I mean all these front office staff are 
going to be scrambling. And it's, it's so sad to see these people that I know personally give so much of their life to the sport, to the organizations, you know, in this position of turmoil. And, you know, you can hope that it, it wouldn't happen, but, I mean, it's going to happen. And yeah. it sucks. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And not only that, Iowa by itself um they're uh what's the term they're blacked out from most most major league teams especially all the ones in the midwest so like again how do you expect to get new young fans if you're taking all the minor league teams out of iowa and they can't watch any major league games you know like exactly um but yeah i i just you know I feel for the people of the Quad Cities. Um, you know, Beloit was on that list for a long time before um, they finally finalized a new stadium. Um, and then my hometown team of uh, Williamsport, uh, that's where I grew up, um, they're on the list right now. And that, that stadium's over 100 years old. And I grew up going to Crosscutters games, and that hits really close to home for me. Um, so I... Clearly, I think it's terrible. Um, now, are there some facilities that need upgrading? Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bel- Beloit is number one on the list, you know, um, and they are they are getting that upgrade. Um, you know, every every so. facility. The thing that was most frustrating to me was, you know, prior to my leaving, I months when this was all first starting. You know, my owner sat down and talked. The owner sat down and talked to me and said, "You know, what's frustrating about this is they're saying that these facilities aren't up to standards, but they're not giving us a list of what these standards are." He said, "If right. you give me a list, I'll do what I need to do." Yeah. But, but we don't have any concrete, you know, definition of what we need to be at to be at the level that they want. And mm-hmm. I think that's what was frustrating. And so, I mean, I know that Quad Cities is making some renovations and stuff. Um, going forward and obviously Beloit is taking a huge step getting a new stadium and that's fantastic for them and uh, I mean it's just obviously there are facilities that need changing and definitely need upgrades but I mean couldn't you give them longer than a yeah. year to to get that going and see what they can do I mean it's it's sad it's, it's definitely sad and I mean needed in some cases but you would hope they cut some slack but sure. it's not been that way since this all started going down right right um so we're going to take this opportunity to cut to a break um and we'll be right back with kaylee golden uh right after this this break Welcome back to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, again, thank you, Kaylee, for, for taking the time out of your evening. Um, this isn't really a question, but I want to bring up the fact that Jake Levy, the former voice of the Quad Cities River Bandits, still owes me a River Bandits hat. And I will, <laughs> I'll go into this a little bit further. Um, Jake and I bonded when he was... When, when he would travel to Beloit to call the games. And um, he always liked the Snappers logo. And so and I always loved the River Bandits logo, especially my last name being Coon. You guys' mascots are Raccoon. So, uh, yeah, of course. Um, and so we decided, we went out for a couple drinks and we had this idea and we were going to swap hats. Um, and so I would give him a snapper's hat. He would give me a river bandit's hat. And so he was in Beloit, and we were we were out on the town in Beloit. And the next day, I gave him a snapper's hat, and I never received my river bandit's <laughs> hat. I don't know if you have any. Jake. I don't know if you have any pool, um, or I. I mean, we should we should tweet Jake together. I think and just tell him that he still owes me that. I know. I'm gonna have to get on pace about that. Um, I love Jake Levy. He was oh. he was there in 2017 and uh, 2018 when I was there, and 
he, oh my gosh, he's just a great human and just a good person to work with. And it does not, it does not surprise me one bit that he was able to talk you into giving him a hat. <laughs> obviously, I bet no intent that he was ever going to get you one. Well, he was like, well, I mean, I'll get my hat. I guess if it happens, it happens. I get him one, but. <laughs> it's typical Jake. I'm not that shocked, but Me, he, uh, yeah, yeah, hold him to it. If you just bully him enough about it, I yeah, he don't make something happen. Maybe, maybe I just had one drink too many, and he knew. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna give him a Riverman's hat, but, but yeah. So, so Jake, Jake is awesome, and I'll I'll say this, and and um, you know, I mean. So radio broadcasters, and I've had quite the fair share on this podcast, which I really appreciate, and radio broadcasters are either like people people or they're radio people, and there's like kind of no in between. Um, Jake is a people people. Um, oh, that's for sure. He, he is like so down to earth and easy to talk to. Um you gotta be kind of weird to talk to yourself for three hours at a time. Oh, 100%. But, but, Jake, yeah, Jake, Jake is the man. Um, but yeah, I, I still want my River Bandits hat. Um, I'll see what I can do. I'll, uh, all right. I'll chirp in his ear a little bit, see what, see what he has to say about that. I didn't want to reach out to anybody else I knew that worked for Quad Cities. Um, we talked about that a little <laughs> earlier. So, anywho, uh, so there are, we, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier. There's a lot of floods in the Quad Cities area. It seems like every year there's a big flood that affects modern Woodman Park. Mm-hmm. Can you go into a little bit of detail about that and the most recent one that you were a part of? Uh, yeah. So, uh, modern Woodman Park is beautiful location and beautiful stadium right along the Mississippi River. Yeah. It does come with some perils, and one of those is definitely the flooding. Uh, So in 2019, yes, I think about my year. So in the beginning of 2019, uh, in March, we uh, all of a sudden the water started coming up, and, you know, it's normal. They uh, about, I can't even say the last, 2011, 2010 maybe, there was another big flood, and um, and over the years, it actually developed these very cool um, flood walls that basically are removable, portable. They pop them into these, like... Really? Columns are the best way I can describe it. Okay. And they, then they basically take this level lever and they, like, suction them together and they come airtight together and they keep the water from entering into the physical ballpark. Aside from, oh. I think, one weak spot or one spot that isn't protected, um, which is the batting cages. And I believe that's going to be protected in the future. Okay. But, uh, I mean, there's internal walls that keep the water from entering into the field and then the ones that go around the ballpark. And that's why you've seen us call it, you know, Baseball Island before. Yeah. The water pretty much surrounds the entire ballpark but does not enter, thank God, unless it gets, you know... Thank much goodness, higher yeah. than what it was when it flooded uh, in 2019. So the water ended up getting to 22.7 feet. Wow. Which broke the record for highest flood. And I mean, at one point we were, uh, I was standing on the Centennial Bridge that overlooks the ballpark trying to get a picture of the water surrounding it. And, you know, we were looking it at, down and the water was scary close to coming over the flood wall that was up against our left field left field line oh man um and so we were just hoping and praying that you know that did not happen like yeah and these flood walls had been up for they ended up being up for 103 days straight which is the longest they'd ever been up for so i mean there was questions over whether they were you know built to last that long it was scary but i mean it all happened so fast that we really didn't have a lot of time to to think about anything we one day basically the city of davenport just told us you know you have an hour and a half to get everything you might need for the next month out of this ballpark and wow so we went and uh we went, this is very minor league. <laughs> I think it's been long enough to where I can tell this story. But uh, we went and sent our interns to go buy chest waders. Um, and so 
they went and got chest waders, the big boot overall thing that yeah. a few of us threw them on, and we were walking through the water to get in and out of the park um, to get everything we can need. And I mean, they have just one very good memory. I have me with the mascot, like, on my shoulder walking through <laughs> the floodwater, getting yeah. it out of the ballpark. And uh, so, I mean, we've been going out of the ballpark with, like, rain boots and stuff, and we had, like, a text that said, you know, oh, it's dry access today, or it's not, put your rain boots on, and you know, we have to, every shipment we got, we were carrying it from the road into the ballpark. And I mean, it was a track. It was a disaster. But so we threw on those waders and we got what we needed. And we all basically just shoved as much as we could into our cars that could be needed. Right. Picked up what was on the floor in hopes that, you know, obviously the flood walls wouldn't break. But God forbid they did. <laughs> um, and so then we uh, took off the waders and we did the minor league baseball thing. And we rinsed them off and we sent our intern back to return them. All right. And we got our money back for him. So uh, yeah. it was it was a very minor league baseball thing to do. But we, I mean, that flood just completely decimated a lot of the downtown Davenport area. And it was, we're blessed that the ballpark was protected by those flood walls. But yeah. there were businesses that lost everything. And yeah. a lot of places that won't, did not recover still to this day. So right. it, it's very sad. But um, yeah. overall everyone's rallied back pretty well but it was we lost 30 something home games 40 something home games um, yeah had to play completely on the road so i mean that's a lot of revenue that we sure. lost at the ballpark as well as um you know just a lot of stuff that had to be moved around and switched so when it came to coronavirus this year it kind of felt like god we're getting kicked while we're already down yeah <laughs> I mean, it was just like doubling the pain of the year before and obviously then things took you a bigger turn for the worse but um it was a wild experience and now i i always laugh and say if i ever go into an interview and they say you know how do you think that you'd be handling you know crisis management and it's like <laughs> do you have time sit down <laughs> right get, get comfortable because let me tell you this yeah <laughs> so, it looking back it, it was a crazy crazy experience and you know it sucked and it was you know it was what it was but my god I mean it's a story to tell and definitely learned a lot about crisis management during sure. the three months or however long it was and it was a it was nice once we got back in the ballpark and, and could get playing on our own field again absolutely and I I feel like everybody that's worked in minor league baseball can talk about crisis management like oh my God. Clear, clearly your situation is a little bit different but i mean all of minor league baseball is crisis management if you really look it's at a it crisis every day yeah exactly <laughs> I, mean, I mean basically there's always something that's gonna go wrong and you gotta figure it out and yep. show must go on so exactly yeah. Every single game is kind of a lesson in crisis management, but this was just a larger scale, you know, full course on crisis management. Crisis management. Oh yeah, for sure. So, for those that have never been or don't know about Modern Woodman Park, it's not just it's not just a ballpark, right? Correct. All right. Can you kind of go into a little bit? about that i i personally know like there's a ferris wheel and there's a zip line mm-hmm. but like kind of just go into zip a little line bit is no more oh uh, no a zip line wasn't there as long as i was there he uh, i think our owner actually brought it out to his team in billings montana okay uh so it was out there i think but uh there's the ferris wheel which was built i think in you know the early in like 2007 to 9 I might be wrong it's been a while um, since I've given a tour of that okay. ballpark yeah. with all those random fun facts but uh, it, it's 108 feet tall so it's it's pretty big it's a, it's a big uh, Ferris wheel and it's you know you get a pretty good view of the river and stuff but Ferris wheel everyone obviously knows but just in 2017 they opened up uh, some more rides at the ballpark and so there's a little roller coaster and a kind of spinny ride and the one that kind of brings you upside down and then there's actually a carousel that um 
our owner got from Pier 39 in okay. San Francisco. Oh, wow. Um, and it was dismantled, shipped to us in pieces, and then the, this is a job, the premier carousel animal painter in the country okay. <laughs> came to us and uh, repainted all the carousel animals by hand in the undercar oh, wow. of the stadium. So they refurbished the whole thing, and uh, it's the only double-decker carousel um, within, I think, like 500 miles or something. Oh, so okay. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful, and they did a good job refurbishing it. So it's okay. got a little bit of an amusement park going on inside of it yeah. uh, at Modern Women Park. And, um, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. I was always indifferent to it. I mean, okay. if, it, if it keeps kids from, you know, harassing players and screaming and crying and stuff and, you know, kind of keeps some people busy, then that's fine. And sometimes that's the only reason people buy a ticket into the game is to ride the Ferris wheel or ride there. Okay. So, yeah. Um, it brought revenue in that aspect, but I do get a lot of people who are like, it's just a damn carnival in there. And it's like, okay, I mean, I get right. that, but you can also watch a baseball game and just ignore it. I mean, you don't have to. Sure. Okay. You don't have to participate. <laughs> okay. I will be right back, Kaylee. Dinner is beeping in the oven. <laughs> you are totally fine. Alright. Hold on one moment. So, what was your favorite part about living in Iowa? I have spent some a decent amount of time uh, visiting Iowa, uh, being so close when I was living in Wisconsin. You know, one of my best friends lives in Iowa, so I spent a decent amount of time visiting. But what was your favorite part about living in Iowa? Yeah, so I think the unique thing about the Quad Cities is it is split right on the river between Illinois and Iowa. Um, so the community of the Quad Cities, if no one's ever been, uh, I love it. I mean, I went to college there and then stayed to work with the River Bandits. Um, it's just got, you know, kind of a bigger city feel, but it's still very small and welcoming and kind of homey. Um, it's a very big craft brewery oh. uh, area. I mean, we have a lot of craft breweries, uh, beer and stuff. So if you're a big craft beer person, the Quad City is one of those underrated places that we have a lot. Okay. Of, um, really good beers that are in the area uh, that, you know, we're lucky enough that are brewed right there. And if not, just within, you know, an hour or so of the Quad City. So it's a big craft beer area, but it also just... You know, it's Iowa. You're still in the Midwest. You get that Midwest friendliness um, mm-hmm. of living in the country, basically. I mean, everyone right. is polite to an extent. And, you know, it, it's just got that kind of nice vibe to it. And, you know, coming from a 100-person town where I grew up, uh, going to the Quad Cities was kind of a good jump for me. Cause sure. It's not too big, but it's still, you know, definitely has a stoplight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I never grew up with, and you know, you're you're close you're close to the things that you need. So yeah. I loved the Quad Cities, and I urge anyone who's never been to give it a chance a chance because it's very very unique area, and honestly, you know, it's just a fun place to hang out. Lots of bars and very really good restaurants, and um, obviously the River Bandits are there. If you go in the summer, you can catch a game and. Sure. Um, it's a good community, and I think that was my favorite part. Is it was always very welcoming since the second that I started school there, and then ended up staying. Was it was just a good environment to be in. Okay. Perfect. And I did want to ask you this: Are you so you're focused on working in sports? Um, if if it allows you to, um, are you open to moving? You know, anywhere to to continue working in sports. Yeah, I mean, I would like to maybe. Um, 
obviously, I mean, right now I'm still trying to, I mean, it's been, I think, two months since I lost my job, so I'm still kind of figuring out what my next step is, but I would, if it was the right position, it was one of those things where it's like, this is my dream job, I, I would, and I've been looking, you know, outside of the Midwest and such, but, you know, I have a big family, and I have nieces and nephews who are sure. 10 and younger, so... I would like to be around them, but obviously, you know, working in sports, you have to be willing to sacrifice that kind of thing, so. Right. Okay. Um, hey, I, the last interview I did was with Quint Studer, who is going to be the next owner of the Beloit Snappers, and they're opening up a new stadium, just saying. I don't know. You might want to throw your hat in the ring. They're clearly... I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see that. Yeah. Me, me too. I, I, I cannot wait to see what they do. I do plan on going back and, and visiting, um, but I'm sure they are going to hire more people um, than than the four or five front office staff oh, members wow. that they have. So um, throw your hat in the ring. My, it's all my heart always hurt for Beloit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, I always said that, you know, I love the Midwest League it, Finally, baseball. I loved all the teams around. You know, Peoria. Clinton has the best people on their staff. Yes. And so does Burlington. I mean, Kim, she's an angel. And the Midwest League is full of great people. So every team that you go to would be a fantastic, you know, place to work and, and you know, just live because it's full of great people. Yeah, absolutely. The Midwest, the Midwest for people that have never been, is just... Th- absolutely the best people you know ever so so yeah it's but yeah i would just say throw your throw your <laughs> so hat where in we lack in nice weather sometimes yeah oh, um yeah opening opening day then you uh, you can account for with good people yeah it, opening day in beloit wisconsin you know like april 8th or whatever um is is usually pretty rough oh, gosh. <laughs> um so <laughs> So, oh, yeah. It's a question mark, usually. F- yeah, for sure. Um, I have made it available that you can text or... I would love a voicemail to to one of my guests um, so that I could play that for them. But you can do... You can send a text or a voicemail um, to the number 202-796-TARP. And we did get one question via text. And I... I think I have an idea of who this is, but I don't know for sure. Um, they asked you, what was Kaylee's favorite team to interact with on social media, and why was it Clinton? Oh, Tyler. I guarantee that was Tyler. I'm positive it's Tyler. Yeah, I'm positive it's Tyler. You know, Tyler was, as much as I give him kind of crap, he was such a godsend to the Midwest League because he was one of those people that did everything and you if you needed something he was a call away and he always had a smile on his face and a joke to follow it and I loved working you know with Tyler through Miley Baseball and um, he since moved on to other opportunities and I know that they missed him out in Clinton but yeah he uh I love Tyler and you know what, Clinton was one of my favorite teams to interact with just because there was this weird rivalry between us and Clinton. And yeah. It was just fun to egg it on. I mean, the players never really were like, oh, we want to really beat Clinton. Like, it was yeah. never a player rivalry. It was always just a front office fan rivalry. Sure, sure. And so it was just, it was fun to give him some crap and... Yeah, Tyler was really good at that. Yeah, I'm going to have Tyler on the show at some point. He he has said that he he wants to come on, and um, but now that he's working for uh, the Twins part time, like on their grounds crew, I wanna I wanna dive into the to the aspect of doing a major league tarp pool rather than a minor league tarp pool and see how it differs. But oh, I can't imagine. I know, but yeah, yeah, Tyler's the man. Um, I don't know if him and I ever crossed paths when I was in Beloit or not, but uh, but yeah, he's the man. Um, I love following both of you on social media. You guys are awesome. That's that's how I reached out to you. Um, um, so, what is your favorite concessions item 
at Modern Woodman Park. You know, I uh, they have. Um, we're not too wild with our concession items, which okay. is something that I always wish that we could do more mm-hmm. of. We were a contract on a contract with a professional sports catering, sure. So it's kind of all like their decision on what we had, but they have the best Philly cheesesteak nachos. Okay. Um, it, they're a die for. I mean, they're prob- they're like a million calories. Sure, probably, I'm, I'm but pos- yeah. They use like the good like queso cheese and Ooh. oh my gosh, they're to die for. So if you ever go, you need to have the Philly cheesesteak nachos. Um, okay, they're the best. I I would get them probably I think once a month. Ooh. But they were. They sound good. I am a Philly cheesesteak uh, connoisseur, if you will. Um, being from Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah, in in the Midwest never even oh, yeah. the Midwest never even touched like a real Philly cheesesteak. Like I don't know what it was about it. Like you would think like, all right, Wisconsin has like the best cheese. So like just combine the the cheese and the steak, but it, it's not that easy apparently. So I don't know, but I would be willing well, to try the so cheesesteak nachos. If you ever make it down there, you gotta you gotta give it a shot. All right, all right, I definitely will. And uh, so, Kaylee, we we interact on Twitter a bunch. That's how I reached out to you to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, so uh, my Twitter is just uh, Kaylee Golden K Golden underscore zero seven. Uh, tweet a lot about random stuff and, and get some art and things out there and then and pictures of Instagram puppies is just kgold underscore seven yeah and a brand new puppy that there's tons of pictures of she's uh, kind of my life right now so that's sure. what people are seeing a lot of okay but yeah I encourage people to reach out I mean I love talking to people in the industry and even people that just want to you know talk about sports I mean I miss doing that every single day on you know, a team social media. I've gotten so used to having you know that constant kind of interaction about sports, and it's right. like, almost like I'm missing a part of me. And I've been doing it for three and a half years. It's like, yeah, what am I gonna talk to sports about now? I just got a dog that's not gonna answer me back. And huh. you know, my dad's a huge Cubs fan, and I'm a Cubs fan too. But all all you're gonna talk about is the Cubs. I don't want to talk about Joe Kelly throwing a tantrum against the Astros. Like, <laughs> sure, sure, all right. He won't know about that. No. So it's uh I encourage people to interact and, you know, reach out. It's it's a fun industry to be in, and I think that's the best thing about the sports industry is people like you and I can, you know, just meet over Twitter and then things like this happen. And you develop, you know, professional relationships and friendships and stuff through this industry that are, you know, lifelong and can be so, so um, beneficial to your future, and you don't even know it when you first meet people. Absolutely, yeah. I can't tell you how many close friends I have because of working in minor league baseball. Um, you know, some of them are going to be groomsmen in my wedding. Um, yeah, minor league baseball is just, it's a different place to, to work and, and the friendships and relationships that you have that come from that are, are spectacular clearly. Um, so, so I don't know, have you listened to any other episodes per chance? I think two or three of them. Okay. Um, I don't remember who it was. It was just kind of a, I hopped in as a one that sounded interesting, but yeah, a couple. Okay. So we end the podcast with the same question. What has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career, and whose was it? So I think my favorite one that I've had, um, we had a player named Trey Dawson. Uh, he was from West Virginia, went to school there, or no, he didn't go to school there, but he was raised in West Virginia, went to school University of Kentucky, I believe. But his walk-up song was Country Roads Take Me Home. Oh, And nice. so you would play that, and his his the music would stop, and the whole stadium would still be singing. And it was just one of those moments that gave you chills, and it was yeah. You know, every night almost where that would happen at least once and it was just so cute because he's from West Virginia and so it meant a lot to him right. to have that song and um, 
I think that would that will always be my favorite one, and the crowd loved it, and it was just one of those moments that always make you feel like this is why you love baseball, and this is why you know something as little as a walk up song can be just something that brings emotions to the surface. So it, right, trade off, and then country roads taking home are my favorite one. All right, perfect. Uh, reason one million and one why sports are awesome. So. Um, Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that that concludes uh this episode of the Pulling Tart podcast. Um I there is a Spotify playlist with all the walk up and warm up songs from every episode of the Pulling Tart podcast from my guests and um Kaylee, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening um to come and chat with me about working for quad cities and minor league baseball and um just your thoughts in general on uh, what's going on in the world and i wish you the best of luck um and just let me know if i can help you out in any way yeah thank you for having me this has been fun and you know i always love talking about this stuff so it's a good time it's a good way to spend my evening all right awesome Again, thank you so much, Kaylee, and uh, and yeah, just thank you. Appreciate it. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.